Well, good morning again, and it's good to be with you. As it was said, my name is Dan Stevens. I was the uh, director of LifeWater International, which the significant sacrifice is about uh, helping people get safe water. Um, and today, Graham asked me, while he's at Fuller working on his doctorate, um, he asked me if I would uh, bring the message to you, and I feel very honored and flattered that, to be able to uh, stand up here and, and talk to you uh, uh, this morning. Um, we also want to just remember this morning in prayer, as has been said and we have done, the people of Japan. Um, I was told that as I came in this morning that Star, uh, Graham's wife's father, uh, is in Japan. And um, uh, he was down south, fortunately, but he hasn't been able to get out. And for a while, uh, for a couple of days, there was no communication with him, and so they were anxious. But they have heard um, that he's fine, and so we want to give thanks to the Lord for that, but also just to pray for Graham and Star as, they, as Graham is working on his doctorate and Star's dad is in Japan. We just want to hold them up and remember them in prayer and as a church, so thankful for them and their leadership. <clears throat> you know, um, it's amazing to me at times how much... Uh, how much gets done in our life. Uh, with all the distractions there are, it's just phenomenal uh, how things get done. I mean, there's, there's tweets and there's podcasts and there's iPads and there's texting and there's, uh, there's Facebook. And the other day I just hooked into uh, this LinkedIn thing and it was like a viral thing, and all of a sudden I was just bombarded with all kinds of stuff. I mean, information is coming at us all the time. Everything is distracting us. Um, I don't know, maybe a, a while back you saw that little um, uh, uh, YouTube on that lady in that mall. Check it out. Texting, texting. Whoa. <laughs> Then she gets out and all awkwardly walks away. Oh, my God. Play it back, play it back, do it again, do it again. Yeah, play it again, play it again. But that's life, isn't it? I mean, there's so much stuff coming at us all the time. I can't, I really can't laugh too much at this lady because um, about two weeks ago, I was in Santa Monica. And in Santa Monica, it is even more hyped, right? Um, <laughs> what's going on? They're still going with it. So, so I was I was in Santa Monica, and and I was we were we were tr- stopping to try and stop to buy something for our son's birthday at REI, and um, we were looking for a parking place, and and there wasn't a parking place anywhere. And I pulled into a couple of of lots, and I wondered why they were empty, and they wanted to charge me $20 to park there and so to run into REI. And I, and I thought, no, no, no. And all of a sudden, I saw a, a parking structure in Santa Monica. So I whipped into the parking structure, totally forgetting with all the distraction that my bikes were on top of my car. Ugh. It was tragic. And, and there I was with my, this mangled mass of stuff on top of my car and the entrance to the parking structure. And bless those people of Santa Monica. If you're from Santa Monica, it's okay. I'm sure you're not like this. But they were honking their horns saying, hey, get out of the way. And I'm going like, wow, come on. I just destroyed my love of my life, my bicycle. Um, so I was crying on the pavement. And, and, but 
my wife picked me up and got me going again, and we, we moved on, but it was, it, was, it was tragic. And so, I, you know, all this stuff is happening all the time, and to focus on anything is so hard for very long because, I mean, like the first hour, I was just right about here, and somebody's cell phone rang, you know? I mean, it's just this constant bombardment uh, of distraction, and, but it's nothing new, right? I mean, think about Moses when he was crossing the Red Sea, and there was distraction, I, you got you to gotta realize that distraction and, and stuff coming at us and interest in other places is always happening all the time. And so it's amazing that we've got any, anything done. The other, the other thing that, that keeps us from getting stuff done is the, the love of complexity. I mean, have you ever noticed trying to f- fill out or create a, a, a password for the 13,000th time? And... And, and up on the screen comes how to fill, how to make your password. And it's telling you, well, you've got to use at least six characters and they've got to be, and it goes on and on and on. And so you, you, you create this password and, and it comes up on the screen. No, you haven't done it right. Or like this, a, a simple thing to do and it has pages and pages of how to do it. I mean, buy a piece of furniture or something that you want to put together and and five pages of instruction and you go like couldn't they make it more complex in your sarcasm and 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 you're just frustrated to death out of out of all the complexity so all the distraction all the complexity and if i if i had to guess i would guess that complexity and distraction are probably not only the things that keep us from getting things done but they keep us from being fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. The, the church today seems at times to be so busy and so involved with so many things, which is, are good things, but it's so easy to forget the core thing, the, the thing that drives it all and keeps it focused, and, and it's so busy. And the other thing is complexity. I think the church... I think the church loves to make things at times more complex. That's why I like this church, is because Graham always seems to want to make it simple. But have you ever come to church or seen anybody come to church and ask a simple question, and for a half hour somebody gives you an explanation and you're kind of like, oh, mercy, I, I, I don't understand it. And, and some people who are just seekers just go away because, because it's, the church wants to make it complex. But Jesus Christ was a master of making things simple and clear and straightforward. He didn't use long sentences. If you, when, as you read the gospel, you can see Jesus always tended to use short sentences. He was very clear. He was very direct. And he kept it, he kept it simple. It wasn't, it wasn't complicated. In our scripture passage for the day, this, um, this lawyer comes to Jesus. And it says, the scripture says, he wanted to test Jesus. And in Matthew, the same passage, it says that Jesus, by his simple, clear answers, had silenced the Sadducees, a group, a, a group of Jews who loved to make things complex. But he, Jesus had silenced them. And so this, this Pharisee, this, this master of the law, comes to Jesus, and he says, to try and test him, he asks him this question, he says, 
Okay, so how do I inherit eternal life? Eternal life was a question going on among the Jews that day, and they loved to debate things and make them complex. And Jesus, in just his classic way, he goes, oh, you're, uh, you're a pro at the law. You tell us kind of what the law says about how to inherit eternal life. Now, everybody was standing around looking at this guy, and all of a sudden, he's on the spot. He's supposed to be, uh, he's supposed to be the master of how the law and, and his Pharisees were. And um, he says, and he gives this great answer. He said, oh, well, the law says, love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is like to it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus goes, yep, that's right. You've said it. Just do that and you'll live. Sort of like that Nike slogan, right? Just do it. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Jesus didn't get all caught up in complexity of answers and try and prove himself that he was a great teacher. No, he just says, yep, you've got it. It's that simple. Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul. Make him, make him first place in your life and love your neighbor as yourself and, uh, and you'll live. That's it. That's how simple it is. So it was amazing. And then Jesus hangs on that a little caveat, which we see in Matthew. And Jesus says this. He said, all the law and all of the prophets hang on those two laws. In other words, all your religious teaching, everything in your Bible revolves around, centers, focuses on two simple things. Love God. Love your neighbor. Just do it. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, my wife and I were in Denver, Colorado, and we do some training around community health through hygiene and, and community development. And we were, we were training a group of people for an organization there in Denver. And, uh, and there was this young woman in our class. She was a, a professor. I think she was an associate professor at the Colorado Institute of Mines, the, the classic uh, engineering school there in Colorado. And, uh, uh, and she started talking at one point in our class. Um, and she started talking about water. And, of course, that was our love, and, and we were so excited for her to talk about water. And she said, have you, ever considered, have you ever considered the water molecule? And I thought, well, yeah. Uh, uh, and she said, yeah, you, have you ever thought about how simple it is? It's just two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. That's all it is. It's not a big complex molecule. And yet every part of life revolves around it. It's the foundation of life. It's so simple and yet so completely profound. God seems to master in that, doesn't he? Is the simplicity and yet the profundity of the water molecule and the law of God. It just says, love God, love your neighbor. That's it. And it all revolves around that. H2O, life just revolves around that. God is this master of making things simply profound. Wow, so cool. But the lawyer, 
like me sometimes, uh, didn't particularly like it to be that simple. He wanted to make it more complex. He wanted to argue about it. And, and I think sometimes all of us do that. It, when life gets seemingly so complicated and somebody says, oh, just love God and love your neighbor. That's all there is to it. You kind of go, no, 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 no. No, it's, it's, it's got to be, be more complex than that. can't be that simple. We want to make it, we wanna make it more, more difficult, more complex somehow to make more of it so that I can feel like I've earned it. And Jesus just says, no, no, it's, it's really, it really is, it really is that simple. You don't, you don't have to make it complex. But the lawyer says, he says, well, what about my neighbor? Now, I'm surprised he, he went already to the neighbor because I think the first better question uh, maybe would have been, well, so, so how do you love God who you haven't seen if it's that simple? And, um, I think Jesus would have probably given him a very simple answer. He probably would have just said, well, God first loved you so and sent his son to, to live here and to die and to demonstrate his love for you, and, 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 I, and I'm he. So just love me, just follow me, just make me the first person in your life. It's that simple. And I think we all kind of go like, oh, yeah, I sort of get it. The other day, uh, my wife and I love Skype because our grandkids live in Wisconsin. And, uh, and, and of course, we always, uh, we, we always want to uh, talk with our grandkids and see them. And, and, uh, so, so we were talking to our, our family there in, in Wisconsin and, um, and our little grandson, one of the sharpest, cutest kids in the whole world. <laughs> Sorry, Graham, about your daughter, but uh, I have to put that in. Um, and so, so my little grandson, two-and-a-half-year-old Grady, he's messing around, playing around, kind of talks to us a little bit, but then our daughter was demonstrating how she could read and all this good stuff, and, but then Grady comes over and he gets right in front of the of the screen, right in front of the camera. His little smile creeps across his face just about like that. And, and he goes, I, I love you, Pop-Pop. No. <laughs> and, and you know, when that happens, what do you want to do? You want to say, oh, Grady, I love you. I want to spend time with you. I want to play with you. I want to I reach right through the screen and I want to hug you. I want to love you. And and I think that's what God says to us, even this morning. Hey, hey Bob, Mary, Jane, Sue, Bill, I I love you. I love you way down deep inside where you don't love yourself, where you question who you are. I love you past all of the stuff, all of what you've ever done, all of the reasons that you don't love yourself or you question your own lovability. I love you. And all as I want from you is just for you to love me back, to, to learn of me, to understand who I am, says God. Just, just come to worship and give me a hug. It's that simple. I want to love you, and I want you to love me. It's a, it's a love affair to make God first in your life and be the person that you find that you're in love with most of all. Love him more every day. It's just that simple. 
But the lawyer did ask the question about the neighbor. And so Jesus, Jesus gives the lawyer an answer about his neighbor. Jesus tells this story that has become the kind of a classic story. It's called the story of the Good Samaritan. And we've all heard the story of the Good Samaritan, right? So Jesus tells this story. He says, uh, a lawyer, or a Jewish lawyer, and of course he wants the guy there that's asking the question to identify with it, right? He says, it was going from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And it's a steep, windy road, kind of desolate. Um, not kind of desolate, it's very desolate. And, uh, and, and so the story goes, this, uh, this Jew that was traveling from, Jer- from Jerusalem down to Jericho uh, falls among thieves, and he's, he's beaten up, and he's stripped, and he's robbed, and he's, he's thrown to the side of the road and left half dead. And, uh, and Jesus continues the story, and he says, and a, and a rabbi was going, happened to be going down that same way, that same road, and he, and he sees the man beside the road, beaten up and and, and strip, but he, he, uh, he goes, oh man, I'm, I am late for temple. I don't have time for this. And so he passes by on the other side. And then a Levite, one of the different sects of Jews of that day that the Pharisee would actually argue with at times, um, he, goes, he goes by and he sees the guy and he's afraid. He says, whoa, man, if he, he got robbed, I might get robbed. And if I stop to help him, I'm going to be really vulnerable. And he passes by on the other side as well. And then a Samaritan comes that way. Now, a Samaritan is equivalent to a Palestinian. Okay, so you, you, you get the picture here. It's the Jew beaten up beside the road, and a Palestinian comes by. And he looks at the Jew, and he has pity on him. He has compassion on him. And he stops and he binds up the wounds, says the scriptures. He pours oil and vinegar on them, which are a healing agent. He puts the Jew on his own donkey, his own property, and takes him down to Jericho to an inn. And he says to the innkeeper, here's money. He's investing in the guy. Here's money. You take care of him. And if I come back this, when I come back this way, and if he's cost you any more... I'll pay for it. Whoa. Palestinian Jew. My goodness. He invests himself. He learns the guy's name. And he takes care of him. Pretty powerful story. But not only is it powerful in that and Jesus looks at the guy and he says, so, so who's the neighbor to this guy? <laughs> and this Jewish lawyer couldn't bring himself to say the Palestinian or the Samaritan. No, he goes, um, and you can just see it, can't you? Kind of puts his head down, kind of mutters just a little bit, and he goes, "Um, well, the guy who showed mercy. Because he really didn't want to say the Palestinian was actually the neighbor. So often that's the way it is, isn't it? I mean, I, I really don't like the story. Because I want to be the good neighbor. I don't want to be the guy beat up beside the road. But Jesus flips it around on us. Because the guy that we identify with, he says, Whoa, the person that is not so friendly, not so kind, not the person that we really like, was the person that showed mercy to us. And, and he says, who's the neighbor? And he made the Jews say, well, 
the Palestinian really was my neighbor. Think about it for a moment. Think about the person over the back fence that, that, that you may not like. Um, that's not you. No, no, no. <laughs> the person who has the dogs, the person who throws trash over the fence, somebody who you don't really care for, and, and all of a sudden one day you're out working in your yard, and that person comes over and says, hey, can, can, I, can I help you dig the holes for the, ro- for the roses? Can, can I help you as you paint your house? Think about the person at the office that's always just kind of frustrating you, his cubicle's always messy, and they're always kind of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. You know the story of the office. And, 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 and that person one day comes and says, hey, I know you're behind on your project. Can I help you? And, and you know, if you're like me, you want to go like, no, I can do it myself. <laughs> Thank you very much. And Jesus says, wait a minute, wait a minute. This, this is, a, this is a, a reactive, proactive kind of thing of giving and receiving. Humble yourself to receive somebody else's love that you don't particularly care for. And somebody who you don't particularly care for, reach out and, and, and give them love, compassion, learn their name, know who they are, and spend some time with them. Jesus says it's the person who's in need. And of course, right now, and hopefully I know that Highlands will be doing some stuff for the people in Japan that will be reaching out to those people to love them. But it's the person who's in need. It's the person who we see. And it's not just about, and I love the story because it's not just about giving them a dollar or two or something. It's about showing compassion. It's about learning a name. It's about knowing somebody and who they are and why they're there and their story and what has brought them there. Yeah, Jesus has loved us, and he says, so love one another. The story kind of is brought together in one little phrase, I think, and that's love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's it's circular because it's really hard to love anybody if you don't love yourself. It's really hard to love yourself if you don't feel very lovable. And so this story then kind of rotates back to God's love, doesn't it? Because God has said, I love you. I created you for who you are. Not to be more than who you are and not to be less than who you are. Not to have gifts beyond what you have. But to understand that God has created you in his image and that he loves you and that he says, I love you so much and you are lovable. And thus, once we understand that and that penetrates into our being, then God says, and love, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And as you do, God will be in the process of transforming you into who he created you to be, all that he created you to be, so that you can shine God's light into this world the way he wants you to do. So it's that simple, isn't it? There it is. Love the Lord your God. Make him first in your life. Love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Just do it.
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you've taken complex things and made them simple and said, just do it. Lord, may we go from here by the power of your grace, being able to receive your love into our lives. Help us let you love us more, that we might love you more, and that we might love our neighbor. Thank you so much. And Lord, help us sing this song and recognize again that you've called us to love you and to love our neighbor. In Christ's name.